Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm Gilda Evans, bringing you the Autism Resource Podcast. This podcast and the ARP website are your one-stop knowledge and resource base for autism and much more. I'm pleased to have Suzanne Brennan Furstenberg as my guest today. Suzanne is the social practice artist who created In America Remember, an art installation of over 700,000 white flags on the National Mall in September 2021, honoring those lost to COVID. Her art draws viewers in with beautiful aesthetics, then delivers a visceral message on themes ranging from the political divide to homelessness to drug addiction. Honored as a Washingtonian of the year for 2021, Suzanne believes when words fall on unlistening ears, art is no longer an elective, it becomes an imperative. Welcome Suzanne, and thank you so much for taking the time to join me today to discuss some of the amazing art that you've created and the impact it has for positive social change as well as the positive means of expression art can be for others, including those who are neurodiverse or disabled. Well, Gilda, thank you so much for having me. I truly believe in the power of art. And when we think that we have just one language, if we speak just one, we really have more than one because art is a language unto itself. Well, I love a statement that you make on your website where you talk about your art and you say, unlike other artists, you won't visually recognize my style. You will feel it viscerally. So can you please describe for me how the idea for the National Mall Exhibition came to you and where your inspirations come from in general? Well, when people ask me as an artist what my medium is, I say empathy. And it was from a place of empathy that in America became created because so many lives were being compressed into one composite number, the aggregate count, cumulative death count in the United States. And I've done hospice volunteering for 25 years. It was not right to just lump people in that way. Each one of the deaths that has happened because of COVID, each one of those deaths really matters. And so I wanted to use art to first of all express the immensity of our losses in the nation, but then also I wanted to create a national place of grieving where people could come and cry, where people could come and dedicate flags to their loved ones because we've, we're in the middle of the largest mass casualty event we've ever had in this nation. And we need to find space for empathy and so that's what I tried to create there on the National Mall. Oh, that is absolutely beautiful. So what did you personally learn or gain from this art exhibition? You know, that's such a great question because I didn't expect to learn things from it, but I learned two or three really important things. Um, one was that anger really often isn't anger at all. Let me share one story. A woman came up to me, beautiful blonde woman with sea green eyes. And she said, Suzanne, you have to take out a white flag because my mother, she had COVID, but she died of a heart attack. And she said, you take that flag out now. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm an artist. 
do I really, do I take a flag out to honor her? You know, for a minute there, I didn't know what to do. And then it struck me. And I said, I asked her, what is your mother's name? And she said, Mary. Reflexively, she answered Mary. And I said, tell me about her. You must have loved her very much. And in that moment, she stared at me confused. And then tears welled in her eyes and she began to talk of her mother. And when her grief was spent, she, she thanked me and she walked away. It, so that's one of the things I learned was that never to assume that anger is anger, right? To have enough compassion to look beneath it, to try to get underneath and to find out what, what the emotion really is. Another thing I learned is that we just need to create places where people, but particularly men, can express their grief. I saw so many men crying in those flags because society doesn't give them anywhere else to express their emotions. And this was a safe space. You know, whether it's grief or frustration, we don't have a lot of places where we can appropriately express those emotions. And so for me with the National Mall, I learned that we just need to create more spaces where people can express themselves and where we can understand the emotional loading of others. Because when people came to the flags, they knew that every other person there was similarly affected by that immensely beautiful but immensely horrifying vision. What? I mean, it, was, wonderful. it was 20 acres covered by flags. Oh my goodness. What a wonderful story. And what a terrific example of what human empathy is all about. And just being aware enough to be able to reach out to another person and give them the space to express themselves. And the fact that your art motivates them to do just that. It's, it's a huge statement, especially with the emphasis that's been um, put out in the news and elsewhere lately about the importance of mental health and the ability to, to express oneself and to express grief and to express other emotions and not be limited and not be ashamed is so important. And you are one of the wonderful, wonderful vehicles that allows people to do just that. So, so I am just in awe <laughs> of that, I have to tell you. It's terrific. Well, thank you. I think it's so important to mention mental health right now because we are going through an historic period, a horribly historic period. And 243 children have lost caregivers. And just imagine all the pass-through trauma when parents lose a job or have issues financially, what have you. This pandemic has been extraordinarily difficult on parents. And that trauma passes through to the kids. They, they understand what's going on around them, whether it's grief or frustration or fear. And all of this adds up to an immense amount of psychological trauma that our kids have experienced, whether they know it or not, or whether they can verbalize it. 
who knows? It depends on each child. But art is a way to help them express those emotions that they have deep inside that they may not even understand. And so I think that this is the time more than ever where we can and should rely on art to help help ease the burden of, of trauma and psychological injury. I could not agree with you more about that. So then tell me, why is it so important to see each other through this lens of humanity? And also, how do you think this relates to seeing others such as those who are neurodiverse or disabled through that lens? Two things. We're very judgmental and we're a selfie society now. Let me start with the selfie society. I would love to create art and I may do it when I find the time to encourage people to just flip their cameras. We have learned to put ourselves in the frame, both literally and figuratively. And we just need people to, to flip their cameras and bring others into focus because we are at a time of, of great, great emotional upheaval, especially in our country. And being able to flip the camera and, and have empathy for others is going to be our fastest track to a better, a better time and a better place. So, so flipping the camera is really important. Also, when I mentioned judgment, we've become a nation of judges. When, when we look at other people, we begin to judge. And of course, this is caused in part by entertainment. Turn on the TV. What do you watch? <laughs> Whether we start the, with voice competitions, you know, singing competitions, baking competitions, losing weight or, or athletic competition, everything's, there's, it's all a competition and we've learned to judge. But that particularly affects the neurodiverse community in many different situations. And we have to see each other as, as people and as individuals and respect the positives that each individual can contribute because judgment will just eat us alive. So I, that's what I really hope we can do is flip our cameras and learn to stop that reflex of, of judging others. Just like the old saying goes, right? You can't judge a book by its cover. I remember, I remember watching um, a video quite some time ago, but it was a video of this marvelous experiment. I can't remember what country it was done in. It wasn't here in the United States, but it was an experiment they did where they allowed two people who had never met to talk to each other, but they weren't allowed to see each other, just talk to each other. And then after they'd had their conversation, they were each asked to describe the physicality of what they thought the other person they were talking to looked like. And it was fascinating, the results of how we, how we judge, how we stereotype, how we think, you know, where, you know, there, there would be, you know, the, uh, a gentleman, let's say, who was um, very um, heavily bearded and tattooed and, and, you know, wearing a bandana and all that. And the other person said, well, I think he's probably in a business suit. 
you know, and short hair and this and that and all. And, and it, it was really quite fascinating again. And so I, I understand and absolutely agree with everything you're saying. We need to be open-minded. We need to not judge. We need to be receptive and we need to reach out to other people and, and, and understand and listen and be engaged and talk to one another and not at each other, but with each other. It's so important to have that dialogue. That's beautiful. And to add to that, I hope that we can find ways and, and art can give us one means of creating space where people can meet other people and have those first, those, those beautiful interactions with strangers. In the flags, we had strangers comforting strangers. One woman had, draw, had planted a flag for her mother. She got down on the ground to take a, a picture of it and became overwhelmed with grief. So she put her head down on the ground and just sobbed for a bit. But when she stood up, she noticed a young man nearby. He had obviously ridden his bicycle over because the bike was on the ground and, and he had just planted a flag himself. He was staring at her. And as she stood up, he said, you look like you could use a hug. And honesty took over and she said, yes. And so here a complete stranger came over and gave her what she will say is one of the best, most welcoming hugs I've ever had. Um, so creating space is just an important part of allowing that humanity to shine through because we're locked away in our homes. We're locked away by our technology. So we need to find commonality of purpose in space. And so we could use art to do that. Public participatory art is a wonderful way to get people out of their normal lives for just a minute and to join together in commonality in creation. Well, we certainly need a whole lot more hugs in that in this world. <laughs> a whole lot more hugs. I, I I love that. I love that story, and I love to to hear that things like that do happen because we know they do, but we don't always hear about them. Um, so, tell me, what is next for you and your art? Well, I have a lot of work yet on the flags. People may not realize it, but there were 20,000 flags dedicated to loved ones who had died of COVID. So I'm here in my studio day after day, cleaning flags and photographing them, documenting them and preparing them for archiving. But then I'll be working with the Smithsonian Institution on a traveling exhibition. As well, people from around the country are contacting me to support them in creating local exhibitions. For instance, at the end of June, I believe it is, the state of Rhode Island will have an exhibition of flags honoring those Rhode Islanders who've died in the pandemic. So that will be right on the state house grounds. So I'm working on that as well. In addition, I have a seven installation art series about drug addiction. And that's something that's extraordinarily topical at the moment because so many people in this pandemic have died from drug overdose. To prepare the installation series, I traveled to 23, 24 different states 
and interviewed hundreds of people who were suffering or recovering from drug addiction. And what they taught me was that psychological injury really does make a person incredibly vulnerable to addictions of all types, uh, but drug addiction in particular. And so with the pandemic, I can only assume that we will see a tsunami wave of addiction as a result. Uh, and so I'm hoping to get my art that addresses that issue out there on the road as well. And then lastly, I planted a lot of flags because of politics, because people died because they believed misinformation and because of ideology. And so I will be doing art to address the fact that we need to move back from the extremes and understand that the path forward is in the middle. Well, you know, by nature, we are social animals. And this pandemic has taken away that aspect for so many of us because we're, we've been isolated. And the that drives a lot of people to that state of addiction, whether it's drugs, alcohol, whatever it is, that that loneliness, that that isolation is is just horrible. And um, your art is a way to bring people together and to have them communicate and find a, a, a source of commonality and understanding. And oh my goodness, that's that's so important. That's um, that's a great medicine right there. That doesn't have, that doesn't need a prescription. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Uh, that's a lot of work that you've described that's ahead of you. Um, so what, what drives you forward, keeps you going, gives you hope? You know, it's the young people I meet who give me hope because the future is on them. <laughs> I hate to say it, but so many of the problems uh, have been growing in the last few years and result from from things that started long before this generation was even born. Uh, and, and so talking with young people and knowing that they, they have the power to make changes, they're not set in their ways, they can think, they can be reasonable, they can compromise, and they understand that they have to fix things, that gives me hope. Well, speaking about young people, um, when we were talking a bit before we started recording, you mentioned a, a young person with autism that was um, at one of your ex uh, exhibitions. <laughs> and um, we, we've talked a little bit about how important art is to give a means of expression to those who are neurodiverse, who are disabled, um, give them that outlet that they might not otherwise have. So can you share a little bit about how that idea relates to the story of this young person that you, that you connected with, with autism? It was a young man and he was, he was overwhelmed by 
the art installation. This was 20 acres of white flags that were fluttering in the wind. So there was sound, there was light being reflected off the flags. There was a, a number to count and they were in an array. And there was the challenge uh, for some, for some neurodiverse people of the arrays needing, you know, some were straighter than others. And it was a challenging environment for some neurodiverse visitors, but this one young man in particular, he was overwhelmed with grief and it was, it was overwhelming. So we had him come into the volunteer tent and just spend some quiet time alone. But what struck me, and I've come to understand that some people in the neurodiverse community um, may have trouble processing grief at the same pace that other people might. And so it's just incredibly important. And I, and I try to remind people that grief expression in the neurodiverse needs to be given its time and space because grief reactions can happen weeks and months later. And also immediate responses to grief can be unexpected laughter instead of tears and such, or, or simply uh, one might think that that someone has no reaction when really it's just a delayed reaction. So, so I encourage people to just continue to watch for the signs of delayed grief because we know that most people have suffered some type of, of trauma or loss during this pandemic. So expect the behavior and, and just understand that that it might be a, just a delayed reaction to all of this trauma. And that's very true. That's very true about grief. That's true about a lot of emotions, especially for those in the neurodiverse community. But frankly, I think that can apply to any one of us, really, because we all respond in our own individual ways, because we are all as I've said before, and as I will continue to say in my mind, a part of the human spectrum. And we are all different. We've all got our stuff. We all react differently. We're all on our own individual wavelength, but yet wonderfully, we're all a part of the same spectrum. So Suzanne, is there anything at this point that we haven't mentioned that you would like to add? There is one thing. The flags were such an incredible visual experience that I knew a lot of people would capture images of them and that the image of the flags would companion stories of the pandemic through history for generations. But I wanted to somehow capture the essence of what happened in those flags. Capture people dedicating flags to their loved ones and planting those flags in this sea of other flags. And so we had a documentary filmmaker capture video of people, if they wanted to, of course, planting their flags. That 15 minute art film can be seen for the next few weeks as a New York Times op doc. And after that, it might be available through our website, but I hope people will have a chance to watch the film, especially if they did not get an opportunity to visit the In America Remember art installation on the mall in person. 
Thank you for sharing that story. So tell me then, where can people find out more about you and about your art? So people can find out more about In America by going to inamericaflags.org. That is a website where people can even search the map. We have a map of the installation as it had existed on the mall. And we have white flags, thousands and thousands of white flags. People can click on one of the flag icons and read the flag. They can actually see a picture of that flag. So people can still visit the, the art installation, albeit digitally. If people are interested in my art, whether it's the addiction series or some of my other pieces of art, they can simply go to SuzanneFirstenberg.com. Well, thank you, Suzanne, so very much for your time and for helping to lift our spirits today and every day. Thank you, Gilda. It's been an honor. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast. You can find it on Apple iTunes, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other popular platforms. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can always access us and other great resources on our website, autismresourcepodcast.com. I want to thank our listeners for spending part of their day with us. This is the Autism Resource Podcast, and I'm Gilda Evans, reminding you to take care of yourself and that special person in your life.